probably get a Hello. challenge from the left, but I'll take it. Hi, I'm Dustin Zarni, and uh, today is Tuesday, uh, and um, I'm one day late with Commissioner Carr. I usually do these on Mondays, but today's Tuesday, May 3rd, and I, I wanted to wait a day because uh, we were finalizing our early voting sites and I, uh, in Onondaga County, and I was hoping to announce that live. Uh, I will be telling you about nine of our 10 sites. We're still waiting on one more site. Uh, and uh, so um, why don't we just start off with that, right? All right, so uh, we're, the commissioners at the Onondaga County Board of Elections have agreed to nine of our 10 sites. As you may remember, we had six sites the last three years. Uh, by law, we had to up that to 10 this year. Um, you know, a lot of our advocates, including myself and uh, the Democratic legislature, um, advocated for more sites and, and to go beyond the minimum. And Onondaga County would never go beyond the minimum. So we legislated that they have to go up to 10. Um, and uh, so we are keeping the six sites that we've had the last uh, couple of years. Uh, that is DeWitt Town Hall. Clay Town Hall, Camillus Town Hall, Lafayette Fire Station Number One, and inside the city, Armand Magnarelli Center and uh, Southwest uh, Syracuse Community Connections at Southwest Community Center. Those six sites are coming back for all three elections: uh, June, August, and uh, November. Uh, we have three additional sites to announce. They are OCC at Mulroy Hall, um, Beauchamp Library inside the city of Syracuse, and Lysander Town Hall. There will be a fourth site in Cicero area, Cicero North Syracuse area that we're nailing down. Part of the problem that happened during uh, this was that the, uh, um, sorry my camera keeps coming out of focus, uh, was the August election that came up uh, at the last minute uh, threw a little chaos into our, um, uh, our, our site selection process. Uh, overall, I'm happy uh, with where we're at. Uh, I would like to be finished, and I hope we will be finished tomorrow. We have a couple of asks out. Um, and, um, you know, adding the site at OCC has been long since been a priority. And while it's not exactly on campus, it's at Mulroy Hall, one of the reasons for that is that the room that uh, was on campus at OCC that we have been using, uh, that we had hoped to use for early voting back in 2019, that room is now being used for COVID testing. And uh, we didn't want to disrupt that very important public health process. So uh, we are using Mulroy Hall, which we've been using as an election day site. And we have a, cla a classroom lobby dedicated to the early voting there at OCC. Beauchamp Library was, um, or Beecham Library. I, I, I always say it different ways. Beecham Library over on Salina Street was a, is a new addition. Uh, they have a big auditorium on the second floor with an elevator, so it's handicap accessible. Uh, this is a, a, a great site. Uh, I wanted to get something downtown. Unfortunately, I couldn't get agreement on that. But uh, this uh, was a site that people uh, on the south side advocated for, uh, an at-risk and uh, underserved community. Um, and having uh, that site there right near... Uh, uh, 81 right near main thoroughfares and main transportation lines. That was a big priority for me. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and that was important. Uh, David, the reason we don't have an early voting site in Manly is because we have one at DeWitt Town Hall, which is right on the border. And there's, you know, about 30,000, 42,000 voters out there between DeWitt and Manly. So you can't have two, 
but we got you one. And then hopefully the Cicerone or Syracuse site will help um, alleviate the northern part of DeWitt and Manlius as well as the western portion of uh, Clay. Um, and then of course the Lysander Town Hall site will help the northwest corner of the county uh, and also the eastern, or I'm sorry, the western portion of Clay, eastern for the Cicero site. That way we can uh, alleviate some of the congestion we saw up at Clay Town Hall. So that is our early voting plan as of today. We have, I hope, uh, a couple of sites that we're working with, and we hope to have an announcement on that tomorrow, and then a big announcement of all 10 of our sites uh, sometime soon. So this is what the commissioners have agreed to. It's part of the public record, so I don't mind sharing that with you here today. And we're still working on it because of that third primary, which kind of leads me to my next... Uh, um, uh, my next thing is that uh, we do have this August 23rd primary for the state Senate and the uh, um, congressional. Uh, this is what we know on that right now. There will be a hearing on May 6th. That's this Friday. The special master, Jonathan Service, is going to be hearing from all the people who have submitted maps about why they should select their maps. Uh, Jonathan Service is a well-known and well-respected uh, special master. Uh, I have no doubt he's going to draw some fair maps, uh, but he will not be releasing those draft maps until May 16th. And then on May 20th, they will be final maps. And then after that, uh, that May 20th, boards of elections will have to do some redistricting, adjust their lines, and then there will be some kind of ballot access period for the new uh, districts. We really just don't know anything beyond that at this point. We're still waiting for more direction from the court. What we did get from the court last week was the date. It will be August 23rd. That is when the primary will be. So we know that that's happening. There is another court action. There is a federal court action where Mark Elias and Sean Patrick Maloney of the DCCC have asked uh, the federal court to step in and say no, the congressional lines um, have to go on the one, ones that were drawn because you can't move the primary from June 28th to August 23rd. We're going to see what happens with that. Um, I have found that the only way I can get peace and, and quiet, <laughs> and there, well, there's no way to get peace and quiet, but the only way I can find some kind of reason and peace in my life when it comes to redistricting is uh we and, and court cases is that we just have to wait for the judge to make these decisions and then react to those decisions as best as possible and that's what we're going to do at the onondaga county board of elections it's what we did in 2020 and this is logistically even harder than 2020 but it's what we're going to do it we have great staff at our board we, uh, i i have faith in the state board to get the answers to us that we need uh, we're all working together. We're providing data to each other, ma making people understand what we need at, on the, at the county boards, what the state board needs. We're, they're telling the judge. And hopefully, hopefully, we will uh, get everything we need. Um, but either way, we're going to get it done. Uh, I'm very confident that this group that I have around me at the Onondaga County Board election on both sides... Uh, we're going to get this done. Uh, so we will see uh, what the court does over the next week or so. 
and I'm hoping to have that 10th early voting site for you sometime tomorrow and uh, or Thursday and a press release going out this week on that. So uh, stay tuned to the social feeds. Uh, also, uh, we have a new lieutenant governor in New York. Uh, Anthony Delgado of uh, who Congressman Delgado of uh, New York 19 he has been uh, selected to be the new uh, um, the new governor the new lieutenant governor uh, a bill was passed and signed uh, a couple of days ago that allowed for the replacement of a candidate uh, if they were indicted for a crime uh, I've touched on this on this podcast before and uh, now that it's done, I'll, I'll elaborate on it. I believe this was the right thing for New York, even if it doesn't look right. And let me explain. I believe that the ballot should be truth. What is on the ballot should be something that the voter can have confidence that these are people that are running for office. I've always believed that. I believe that people should be able to get off the ballot voluntarily. I believe people should be able to get off the ballot after losing a primary. Uh, I feel like many times we promote uh, versions of weird political machinations that border on voter fraud uh, when we have people uh, saying they're running for another office just to get off the ballot for another office. And we've seen that in our mayoral race for the Republicans doing it and in our uh, that was in 2013 and in uh, 2018 we saw uh, the, the Democrats do it in 2016 and 2018 in the congressional race so I believe people should be able to get off the ballot a lot easier if they want to uh, in this case I really believe an indicted uh, politician should not be on the ballot uh, it's, it's not a uh, it's about confidence for voters, and we should not be allowing somebody who's indicted to, to remain on the ballot, especially since they don't want to be on the ballot. And uh, and and I've wavered back and forth about whether the governor, uh, you know, should be able to name, uh, they, they can name a lieutenant governor. There was a vacancy, Brian Benjamin re resigned. She can name a lieutenant governor anytime she wants. But whether that person should appear on the ballot uh, and I understood arguments to say well you can let somebody off the ballot but maybe not let somebody else on well let me tell you why I believe the counter argument about that is in New York though the lieutenant governor is elected separately at the primary ballot that lieutenant governor candidate is married to the governor's candidate for the general election and they appear on the same ticket together uh, it is you can argue whether that that is, um, uh, you know, wise, and you can argue whether we should be doing it that way, but that is the way we do it. And I have led, I always lead to more choices for New York voters. And uh, if having uh, another candidate on there that is Governor Hochul's uh, choice um, is better for the voters who are making the choice for governor now that doesn't mean that they have to vote for uh, to for uh now lieutenant governor uh um delgado it doesn't mean they have to vote for governor hochel there is a primary going on and as you know i do not endorse in primaries uh so uh you can vote for jermaine williams you can vote for tom swasey you can vote for their running mates and if their running mates win and they do not then they will be married 
uh, with uh, Governor Hochul for the general election ballot. However, we have the opportunity to change this. Uh, I believe it should have been changed long ago, and I don't believe continuing with a bad process because of um, some worry about uh, you know changing the rules in the middle of the game um, is uh, it, you know that that is outweighed by the voter confidence of being able to vote for people on the ballot that are actually running for office in my mind either way it's done um, but I also will say that this is not a game this is politics and politics is the way we govern and uh, giving voters more choice uh, nobody should win in office because of uh, you know because other people were uh, you know n not on the ballot. I, I you know the the candidates now can go out there and make their cases to the public. And yes, they can even bring this up to the public and bring up whether it was wise to have selected uh, uh, Benjamin in the first place. That's a valid question. But now the voters get to choose, and I always tend to side with letting the voters choose. So that's how I feel about that. It will bring up another wrinkle for my friends down in the Congressional District 19. They're going to have to have a special election, I believe, because of this. Uh, Mr. Delgado has not uh, announced the date of his resignation um, from Congress to take on the LG office. Uh, I assume he's going to have to do that soon uh, because then his petitions will uh, um, be given to somebody else so they can run for uh, Congress down in, in 19 or whatever the maps end up making it be. Um, but that will create a special election. There was a new law that was passed a couple of years ago or maybe a year ago now that um, the governor cannot hold open an office if it's opened up. So the congressional uh, office will have to have an election within 40 days, I believe, of his uh, official date of resignation from Congress. Um, they may be holding off that date so it can coincide with the June 28th primary. Uh, maybe not. But I can tell you this, um, it really won't make it that much easier for boards of elections to have a, uh, um, a date that it coincides with another primary because it's a special election, not a primary. So it, in essence, those boards will be running two separate elections at the same time. Now, luckily, we have, uh, you know, we have some uh, history of that in New York when we were running the presidential primary and the federal primary, two separate elections uh, in terms of balloting and all of that at the same time. But uh, this will be another wrinkle where general election can be done and people who are not involved in a party uh, will be choosing this person to fill out the remainder of his term. And then in another election on a new set of lines will be in November. So we'll have to see who uh, is nominated, who runs in the special election, who wins that special election, then who wins in November. A lot of complication going on in uh, that uh, Southern Tier Central New York district. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll see what happens out there. Um, so I'm hoping by this time next week, I'll have a little bit more idea of, uh, uh, you know, on, on May 9th, I'm hoping that I'll have idea on ballot, uh, um, ballot placement and, uh, uh, you know, and uh, 
for June and for August and when absentee ballots are going to be uh, issued and also how to get on the ballot ballot uh, uh, you know the the ballot access period uh, you know for after those May 20th we won't know anything about the lines until May 16th so May 16th I'll be talking about the draft lines that are that were released by uh, by the special master service there is also on May 10th a hearing about whether the assembly lines should be moved from June to August and uh, and redrawn as well. So we're waiting to hear about that as well and whether the special master will be drawing those lines if they are invalidated as well. Um, so there's still a lot of chaos, not chaos, there's a lot of questions out there. Uh, questions that we will eventually get answers to and be able to resolve. Uh, so I do believe, um, you know, that the boards of elections will be able to get this done and especially our board we have uh, some incredible people down there and uh so but stay tuned i'll try to keep uh information coming from you on my uh, on my feeds uh this wednesday uh tomorrow i hope to release a wonky wednesday on our budget uh from 2021 i believe i'll have time to get that done tomorrow um or if it's a little late it might be on thursday and then uh i have a zoom with zarni with um Steve Romaleski of uh, uh, the New York City uh, University. He's uh, he has this great website called New York Redistricting and You. He's been getting extra overtime work about it uh, this week uh, because of all the new maps that are coming in. He, it's an incredible site. So stay tuned for that interview and and stay tuned for that site because it's he's done some incredible work and I, I can't wait. For him to uh, show you that on Friday, so you can get some idea of what's going on with all this redistricting. So that's what's going on. Um, I, uh, you know, I hope that uh, we'll have some more answers by this time next week. Uh, and as I get them, I will post them on uh, on my feeds. And I will close this last thought on the leaked. Um, documents for the Supreme Court for the Roe v. Wade and the likely overturning of Roe v. Wade. I, w I wish that I was going to be surprised, and I was not. This is a day I expected since November of 2016. And uh, it is, looks like it's here. It's a travesty. It's a sham. It's a f shame that five of the Supreme Court justices were nominated by presidents who did not win uh, the popular vote. Uh, it is um, horrible that some of the that uh, that Justice Gorsuch is on the bench uh, after the seat being held open when Merrick Garland, uh, you know, was nominated by President Biden in 2016. Uh, it's it's horrible that. The Republicans broke their own rule to put Amy Coney Barrett on the bench after uh, RBG died just a month before the election. And, you know, and even the Brett Kavanaugh uh, nomination to, to, um, to replace Kennedy is fraught with uh, all kinds of irregular uh, and uh, um, irregular happenings. A, you know, in a, a failed FBI investigation and all the questions 
that that are around that particular um, justice. We are at a point in American society where we can no longer rely on the courts. The courts aren't going to save us. And though you may be frustrated, and so am I, um, that there seems to be roadblocks to many legislative options that we want, including the filibuster, we have no way through but up in this. We are in a hole. And the only way that we can mitigate some of this some of these problems and then start to retract and replace some of our rights that we are going to lose over the next six to ten years is to elect people that respect our constitution that that elect power structures that respect our constitution and respect our rights and will put legislation in place regardless of antiquated uh rules like the filibuster or, uh, you know, worry about uh, blowback from people who are bad faith actors. We need Supreme Court reform. We need to codify Roe v. Wade. We need to codify same-sex marriage. And we need to codify uh, uh, you know, all of these rights and not rely on the courts to give it to us. Because as we can see, the courts can then take it away if the wrong group of people get in there. So... You may not want to hear it, but we have to fight. We have to continue the fight, even when we lose. And it's not going to be easy. And it's not going to, uh, it's not going to um, end tomorrow, or tomorrow's tomorrow, or the next year, or the year after that. This is a generational fight. And our only option is to fight or give up. And I'm not ready to give up. My son and my daughter and my family depend on people not giving up. So I can't give up. And I hope you won't either. Because it's time to get to work. We have a lot of elections this year. We have a lot of people running for office. And we have a lot more opportunities to make change in our society. We need to go out there and get this work done. And that's all I got to say. Uh, I'll... I'll see you on the flip side. Please be safe. <laughs> Wear a mask. COVID is still pretty high in our community, high levels of transmissions. And, um, you know, please keep you and your loved ones safe. Bye-bye.